Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, Ashley Lauren Rogers here, the producer of the Is It Transphobic podcast, just letting you know that I'm releasing this episode super early. We try and release on the first and third Thursday of the month, uh, but this week I am heading out to the University of Waukesha in Wisconsin, so I'll be in Wisconsin for the week, so I wanted to make sure that this got out. Uh, and if you want to come see my show, if you happen to be in Wisconsin, it's going to be on Wednesday, November 16th at the University of Waukesha. It's going to be free, uh, and I will be in room C101. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where that is. I'm sure I will find it when I get there. Uh, but I'll put a link in the description so that you can follow along on Facebook. Uh, but also... Uh, another thing I want to promote is Theater of the Press NYC is putting on a show with Housing Works, uh, and they're presenting Some Things Money Can't Buy. It's going to be a forum play addressing the hurdles in accessing health care for trans women. Uh, it's created and performed by Housing Works Theater Troupe and based on real-life experiences of the actors. That's happening November 22nd from 7 to 9 at the Housing Works Bookstore, 126 Crosby Street, New York, New York. And... Finally, I have about five or six plays going up uh, in mid-December, uh, starting from Wednesday, December 7th. Uh, we've also got shows Saturday, December 10th, Sunday, December 11th, and Monday, December 12th, uh, all through Step 1 Theater. The show is called Falsehoods, Fallacies, and Fairy Tales, or How We'll Convince You These Plays Are About Christmas. These are plays that I've written throughout years and put together in one go, thanks to Step 1 Theater. I've been able to sit in on rehearsals, and it's been looking great. Not to mention that our very own Vivian Aladrin will be starring in one of these shows. She will be starring in Black Lipstick. Uh, as well as for the promotional material, we're putting out a number of promo videos, and those are going to be featuring uh, Ian, who you have not met yet, but is a powerhouse. And I'm really excited to have them both on the show as well as in the promo, as well as Bear. You remember Bear. Bear was on our episodes uh, with The Silence of the Lambs. Uh, now, the show that we are going to be watching today, The Powerpuff Girls. That's right. We went back to our childhoods because, ah, uh, <laughs> well, you'll hear. But it, um, it was a lot more painful than I would have wanted it to be. But hey, today you'll find out, is it transphobic? Finally, still trying to figure out that hum, but uh, yeah, it'll be fixed for future episodes. They might be fighting crime, trying to save the world, but today we're asking, are the Powerpuff Girls transphobic? My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers, I use she-her pronouns, and I am a stand-up comic and a playwright. And today I'm being joined by... My name is Vivina Aladren. I use she/her pronouns, and I am a musician, uh, writer of various sorts, um, and a comedian and entertainer. My name is Phoenix Sweeney, they/them, and I am a multidisciplinary artist. I do many media. Awesome. 
All right, so Powerpuff Girls. Today, <laughs> today we're gonna watch childhood. a what some would call a show for babies. <laughs> I I don't fully agree with that, but okay. Wow. I really like that show. I just came in here to have a good time, and yeah. I'm feeling a little attacked right now. But you know, it's fine. Oh, no. No, no, no. Uh, in some ways, a lot of people would question, the reason I kind of started off like that is because some people would question why we're uh, watching and why we're analyzing a show that is intended for a young age group, which I, and I know oh, your hands are going up already. That's I, an easy question yeah. to answer. <laughs> Go for it. I want to start okay. right there. Yeah. So the reason that you discuss media for children is because they don't have these really shitty beliefs yet. They don't think these really terrible things yet because it hasn't been fully ingrained into them. And we have to protect them so that they don't, so that things can be better. And, like, if they're raised with these implicit biases of these things, then they're going to be shittier people, you know, kind of like us. And, like, especially for kids who maybe are queer and don't know it yet, this is going to make it really hard for them. Like, when things are shittier, like, when things make queerness seem like a bad thing, they're going to think that that part of them is bad, and that is not alright. Just like when you have shows that for children that are racist, black children will think that that part of them is bad, and that's not alright. Like, you need to, like, not have these sort of, like, problems in your media for children, because children are very impressionable. Fun fact. I have a small follow-up, if you don't mind. Go for it. Uh, also, backing up on that, um... Saying that is really disrespectful to children, frankly, because children, while they may not have the kind of uh, articulation and capacity for um, discourse like adults do, uh, they do carry a perception of the world, and they can tell things, and they can learn things, and it's important. It's very clearly important to discuss uh, these issues um, in shows intended for younger audiences. Uh, also, especially because uh, oftentimes a lot of these shows bleed into multiple audiences. Uh, one of the things in particular that the Powerpuff Girls did um, that I was aware of even when I was really young is that it kind of... Lots of different people watched it. I went out and had like made friends with a lot of... Um, my mom and my stepdad's uh, friends, and they're all grown-ups, but we all talked about the Powerpuff Girls anyway, because, you know, trying to reduce something to, oh, a show just for children um, is dumb, and I don't like it. And I had a more articulate thing to say, but I can't remember, so... No, but I'm, I'm completely with you on that as yeah. well. Like, I, I do... And I do tend to watch a lot of shows that are intended for children. I think it's incredibly insulting to children when you say, oh, that's just a kid's show. Because yeah. I grew up, because I'm maybe 10-ish years older than you, <laughs> than the people sitting with me at least, uh, and I grew up on terrible 80s cartoons. He-Man, oh, no. My Little Pony, no. Back Before Friendship Was Magic. Oh, Basically, they were the penultimate of the attitude of it's just for kids. You don't have to try hard. And so to watch so many of these kids' shows that are tackling things, whether it's uh, like we were talking about with Steven Universe earlier, uh, that are just tackling such high concept, and, but 
completely relatable things that kids will have to deal with in their life. Uh, or even just something like Adventure Time that totally takes ridiculous things but treats their characters really well. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that, as a parent, as someone who is a guardian of children, as someone who is just babysitting, it's something that they can sit down and watch to and enjoy. And man, there is an audience for that. But also, it affects the way that children think later. And so it's totally important. Yeah. 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 That said, let's talk about Powerpuff Girls. Yay. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the first couple of seasons when it first came around, and then also a couple of episodes in this most recent reboot, which is going to be interesting. Uh, I focused a lot of the episodes. Initially, I tried to find uh, most episodes with him in them. Uh, one of them, I ended up found, finding something that was completely incorrect, the Rowdy Rough Boys episode. Yeah. Uh, but we watched that one anyway, and I, I think that one was actually very interesting to watch from a gender lens. Uh, but yeah, let's start with the, the first one, the first entrance of him. That's the one uh, with Octi, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, one thing that... Just like... You know, really not trying with the, like, queer-coded villain thing. Like, it's just really, like, how many times... How many times have we had the queer-coded villain? Like, I'm just really fucking... I'm not impressed. Um, (laughs) And also the fact that this queer-coded villain that definitely takes on a lot of, like, more traditionally feminine things is referred to only with a male male, you know, widely regarded as male gender pronoun. Like, you only refer to this human being as him, and it's accepted that this person has another name that you just refuse to use. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, common for trans Implicitly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of using your actual name that you want us to use, we're just gonna call you him. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, transness. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was a thing. And also then, um, he is really predatory to, like, a young girl. So it's really great. Mm. It was really fun. There's there's also something interesting about the fact that they don't go into any of the reasons why him is evil or sinister, but they're like those are the words that continue to be used. Like, oh, this being is so evil, so yeah. sinister, but they don't say why or how. It's just sort of gender confusion. That's a good impression. That is really good. <laughs> yeah, I've been working on it. <laughs> <laughs> No, him? it's a thing that all of us trans people can do. Is sound exactly like him? No, no. no. <laughs> um, it actually like yeah, that was one thing that I thought about because like Mojo Jojo gets Mojo Jojo gets this really big full backstory. Like we know exactly what happened there, and like him is just never fleshed out in that kind of way. But him is considered to be the worst. Like I remember growing up, and I was like, oh him, like he's the baddest of the bad. Like he's the worst villain, and it's like why. Why? Like, honestly, he was maybe, he maybe did more, like, mind trick sort of things, which is very stereotypical of, like, the worst villain, but most of it was just that him was hella queer. Like, that's really, like, the worst thing about about him's lifestyle. And, like, that's just really... Like, that's, like, how many, like, how many times have we seen that? Like, Jafar, like, really hella queer-coded. Like, the more queer-coded they are, the worse the villain they are. So my uh, my roommate walked in on me watching 
this show, and particularly a moment with him doing things. And that was the first thing that she said. She was just walking in, she looks at it, and she goes, yeah, I immediately don't like this. And then <laughs> continued with, like, you know, it it just reminds me a lot of, like, the Disney villains in particular, like the, the stepsisters in Cinderella, Jafar specifically, that uh, the the guy from Pocahontas, and how just the queer oh. coding of villains. Yeah, like, it's all... Took me to remember him, like, Pocahontas. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, the one that's kind of red as queer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating. The other thing that I thought was interesting, particularly about this episode and the next one that him shows up in, but we'll get to that in a sec, is that him never actually leaves his or their house. Him stays in their apartment the entire time, and even when the him is revealed as the bad guy of this episode he kind of inhab- like inhabits the stuffed octopus. He doesn't actually ever leave. Yeah, him doesn't really... Him only leaves in... Like, they leave in that one app with the gangrene gang. Did yeah. you watch that oh, one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's the only time that, yeah, for the most part, him is, like, still just in their place. Like, they... For the... For the riddle thing, I guess they were out at the very end, but for most of it, yeah, him doesn't really leave, and that's kind of an interesting thing. I hadn't actually considered that. It is... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, honestly. Mm. Do you have words? I have a lot of thoughts. Um, Because I grew up watching The Powerpuff Girls, and um, I kind of, like, looking at it as an adult, I kind of realized that like him was obviously negative portrayal of a uh, of um of like uh trans and non-binary people but laying it out i just kind of had a moment of realization that every element of their character that is it, it's kind of bizarre because everything that's transphobic about this character is also never actually said nothing Nobody ever like calls them out on how they look or like any kind of it's it, it, they're treated like every other villain except for the fact that everything visually about the character like the baseborn like details of a character the character's name uh an appearance is so wildly transphobic it's like i, I don't know it's a really weird uh, dichotomy to deal with because beyond the visuals, the character's treated like another villain in the show. Has a plot, tries to defeat the Powerpuff Girls, Powerpuff Girls beats them up in a particularly bloody manner, and then life goes on. Like, mm-hmm. just in a slightly different flavor. Yeah. Uh, I-, I don't know. It's just, I like had a moment of like trying to wrap my head around it. Uh, and this is not speaking in defense in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's just a weird observation of, like, you know, the gag of the character is never really brought up. Mm-hmm. Like, even in the more racist villains of Powerpuff Girls, which was my initial, like, big concern that I was going to bring to the table, especially in the later episodes... Um, like that element f- 
feels way more pervasive in like the racist villains um and i don't know it's there's like a weird subtlety to it that is just not being addressed all the way up until uh you made the connection of uh the fact that we don't actually use him's real name yeah and that like suddenly hit me and i was like oh no we don't we don't know it and it's not that it's a moniker that they offered it's a it's a label that we put upon them mm-hmm. yeah like specifically the narrator i'm trying to remember exactly what he says but it's something like a name so insidious all we can refer to them as is him yeah or something and it was just so like that's weird yeah 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 and then like they just kind of like accept like okay this is what i'm gonna be called because like yeah you just kind of kind of like when you are like when you're a trans person and people just blatantly don't respect you you just kind of a lot like sometimes we'll reach this point where you're just like okay whatever fine and like that's not a good message for like young trans kids because like i it was really hard it still is hard for me to be like they (laughs) they my pronouns are they and like you know just it's really hard to really kind of assert who you are as a person and you know Maybe him as a villain because they're really fucking tired of people not respecting their autonomy or their identity, so. Maybe. <laughs> That's their backstory. Fuck. <laughs> We're never given their backstory. Nope. No. No. Nope. We're given a lot of characters' backstories. Yep. Also. I'm not making that up. Like, uh, it's been a very long time since I've, like, sat through all of Powerpuff Girls, but, like, a lot of villains get actually like pretty yeah. in-depth uh look throughs like beyond mojo jojo who is obviously the the, the main the face of the villain yeah. um uh but yeah that's weird i don't know if that's supposed to help like perpetuate a sort of like enigmatic personality or i don't know well, I wonder if part of it might be the idea that the writers might not have wanted to try and tackle it because they were afraid they would get it wrong, particularly because they know that this character is just gender confusion uh, incarnate. And so they say, like, okay, well, if we try and do this, no, it's just going to offend people. No, it's just going to offend people. And unfortunately, well... by not giving any kind of story, it just creates this so is it just because this character like is it just is this character just evil because we don't understand their gender like yeah and so much of this character is mystery and it's kind of like you know that's actually like a really big thing like that people treat like trans people is like you know trans panic like people are scared of the existence of trans people because they don't get it they don't know about it and that means that like that like puts violence on us either in the form of like people acting violently towards us or in the form of us being read as violent when all we're trying to do is exist and yeah um there's definitely a lot of that a lot of that there like him is not described because they are just a confusion and so we just won't even delve into it because you know they're just confusing and i don't get it and that's just it like it's just like i don't get it they must be evil and we'll leave it at that it's also interesting if you look at him because him is essentially the devil with lobster claws Mm -hmm. 
And it's just, I, I don't know, there's just so much fascinating things about that that I feel like, I feel like some might say that we're overanalyzing, but I don't agree with that, and I don't think my panelists agree with that either. I don't think Phoenix would agree with that. I think we're analyzing it just enough <laughs> to say that you've basically made a character who acts erratically, dresses in a manner that is very non-binary, and looks like the devil and has two gigantic pincers they might not have specifically intended for this character to be like oh this is a scary trans person but at the same time they definitely have some issues when creating this that they have not resolved about their own understanding of gender and gender fluidity so uh um so as much as I love the show from my childhood, I'm actually kind of more in the cynical camp uh, when it comes to the writers, because beyond the shows that we saw in particular, the writers have kind of a terrible track record on being okay in social issues kind of across the board. Mm-hmm. They uh, play the man in the dress gag way too many times. For me to be comfortable with it, um, I've brought it up loosely before, and I'll bring it up again. A lot of the villains are uh, incredibly racist. Um, there, I struggle to give them the kind of idea that they weren't going to touch the subject for fear of getting it wrong, because they've already kind of stuck themselves in a bit of a mire of doing things wrong. Yeah. I mean, like, if they were worried about doing it wrong, they wouldn't have done it at all. Like, they wouldn't have had this character at all if they were like, we don't want to do this wrong. Um, and yeah, like like V said, there's plenty of other characters that they have that are really problematic. And so I, I definitely agree that it is just... The writers didn't address it because they just... they Like, I don't think it was that they didn't want to get something wrong. I think it was just that, like it's not important like (laughs) it's not relevant Mm. something like that yeah okay so for the first episode that him exists season one episode three octa evil did you enjoy it you can use a one to ten scale yes or no scale um uh i'll give it about a five it was fine uh, I grew up being very close to, uh, for a while I was very close to Bubbles because she was sweet and I felt like, uh, she was kind of pushed around every now and then by Buttercup and I had an older brother and he pushed me around a whole bunch. Um, but as I kind of grew up, I kind of empathized more with Blossom. Um, it was fine. The interaction between the three of them felt a little bit, I don't know. I don't really have much more to say about it, honestly. It, Oh, it was fine. I yeah, I don't know. Most of these, uh, most of these episodes in general is kind of just like mostly just like indifferent, and so I'd say like no, not really, not especially. I didn't really enjoy it. Um, yeah, it really was just kind of like oh, okay, I've seen this before. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I kind of I kind of feel the same way. I don't feel like it was necessarily. There was nothing really that stood out. There was nothing that was really super funny or anything. It was just sort of like, oh, all right, this is an episode. So, meh. 
I kind of I kind of put it on a five because it didn't really nothing stuck out it stuck out to me as awful, but it was just like eh, okay, cool. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, Telephonies. This is the one that we alluded to a little bit with the Gang Green Gang. Yeah. Um, and I chose this one specifically because him is in this episode, but it's not actually about him. Yeah. Um, so what are your general impressions of this episode? Racism in the 90s was very different than yeah. it is now. <laughs> yeah. Because like I, I know that the name of is a trans uh, the podcast is 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 it is a transphobic I can't even speak right now. Um but I could not stop focusing on like how incredibly racist the gangrene canning is. Yep. Like wow. Wow. Like that is some unapologetic old school horrendous racism <laughs> like yeah yeah they they were definitely not at all trying to be covert with their coding there um yeah yeah it was really it's really it's really bad and it's really just blatant and like do any of the characters actually at any point like speak spanish i think they do I can't remember. I don't remember if they spoke Spanish. One of them definitely had a very uh, thick and obvious accent that they were going for. I think they they tried not to give all of them a any kind of uh, uh, Latinx accent, but at the exact same time, like it was definitely very clear what they were going for. Yeah. And I mean, not to further drive the point home, but of all of the villains in the show that all have like grand powers and like a terrifying presence mm-hmm. the gang green gang is known as the lazy villains the small time villains ah, the villains who makes yeah. prank calls and steals lunch money from children like it <sighs> yeah that was it was, it was hard to handle <laughs> So when they finally get to him, because yes, the entire yes. the entire point of the episode is that uh, the gangrene gang has tricked the mayor and are now making prank calls to the Powerpuff Girls, telling them that horrible things are happening and they need to go beat up Mojo Jojo. Uh, what's the other villain? Fuzzy, Fuzzy Lumpkins. Lumpkins. Yeah, Fuzzy Lumpkins. Also a racist stereotype. <laughs> um. Yup. And so they just go out and beat them up, uh, and then they get to him. And I found that whole exchange... I keep using the word interesting, so I'm going to use another word. Fascinating. <laughs> because they, you know, they, they've beaten up two people that said that they've done nothing wrong. Now they get into him, and him is... Jazzercising? Yeah. I guess Which, Something. Oh, yeah. Doing some sort of, like, aerobics videotape. Yeah. And they not only don't beat him up, they're just kind of weirded out and yeah it's like what are you doing in the privacy of your own goddamn home and it's like they're not even doing anything bizarre like they're just exercising like they're just yeah. like being fit um whereas like you know with fuzzy lumpkins they appeared with him like naked and stuff like that was Bathing, less yeah yeah um where like, but, like, walking in on him just trying to, like, exercise, they were like, 
it's like you just broke into their house and it's not even like you caught them like doing anything too wild like they're just trying to exercise like that's a thing people do yeah it's it's a little it's a little insensitive of them to uh illegally enter somebody's private residence and then immediately start judging them because they're being healthy it's more to say about what i do on a day-to-day basis i mean if i had that kind of like dedication to exercising every day yeah i'd I'd be in shape (laughs) (laughs) After that, him calls up Mojo Jojo and Fuzzy Lumpkins and finds out that this has been going on. And instead of just retaliating against the Powerpuff Girls, they go to find out what's actually happening. Uh, they hit up the mayor's office and find the Gangrene Gang. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I mean, it's not great. It doesn't redeem anything. But at the exact same time, it's Mojo Jojo, Fuzzy Lumpkins, and him that fight the Gangrene Gang and beat them. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if that changes anything for you folks. Like, if it's just sort of like, do you see it as anything positive, or is it still just sort of like... I mean, they did it because they were annoyed. Like, they didn't do it because they, like, wanted to save the day. They were just like, please leave us alone. I mean, I understand the reason, but... Yeah. Er, sorry. It wasn't anything redeeming to me. It still felt like it was, like... Even though they, like, treated it like it was saving the day, they also treated it like it was, like, a very purely, like, selfish thing. And so it's like, okay. Neat. I don't know, it didn't really weigh into me one way or the other. Yeah. Um, which, I don't know. It's like, it's like, the the, the trans issue in, like, the early episodes of Powerpuff Girls that uh, you had us watch feels like everything that I had to say about it was said the moment that we were introduced to him and all of his all of their actions from this point on don't weigh in plus or minus either way it just feels like we know yeah the yeah. issue Same. it's just everything else is like okay yeah it's like okay him is this super queer coded villain that we're going to not refer, refer to by who they are and instead refer to them with a pronoun that we don't know if they even use. And that's, like, that. that is the problem with him, and that is what is the problem with him, like, the whole time for me. Mm. Yeah. Although... Um, he also does hit on the professor at one point. Or they also hit on the professor at one point. Which yeah. was uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. 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 And him diddle riddle. Actually, why don't we jump to that episode? Uh, before we do, scale of one to ten... I'm giving it a three. It. Three, yeah. Oh, enjoy it. Mm. Mm. Couldn't get over how racist it yeah, was. Yeah, I would yeah. say I yeah I did I actively did not enjoy it. Yeah, I'm pretty much in that area too. I'd say about a three. It, eh, nothing really stood out. Uh, so let's jump to him diddle riddle, which is in season four, episode four. Um, so to me, immediately him comes off as some sort of gender fluid the Riddler. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, the entire thing is just so, like, the Riddler. (laughs) I I admit to enjoying this episode, actually. Um, It was clever. Uh, It was a nice shake-up of the standard fare. Um, Him came off as villainous without it being, like, I'm villainous because of gender. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I don't know, it's just, it was a very clear-cut, like, oh, yeah, uh, him's playing mind games. Okay, cool. And I liked the little, like, reveal, because, um, the only thing that they said was, um, uh, the professor will have to pay. Yeah. And 
it was it was a fun fun little um uh perception shift at the end yeah uh, so I did appreciate that. yeah it was it was fine it showed a weird like relationship between him and the professor only because it's like well him is this evil villain and basically the whole thing is I've made the professor a breakfast and yeah. now he'll have to pay like, you do really well on that <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah I actually yeah. if anything that episode kind of affirmed something for me which is that it feels like it's a very specific like narrator perspective that him is this unspeakable evil because it feels like a lot of the community that engages with him seems to just not care as much. Yeah, like, wow, huh. yeah, true. I like, never they just that. don't... Like, the biggest point of them, of people being actually, like, upset at him in the episodes that we've seen was the Powerpuff Girls being vaguely uncomfortable in the last episode, which... Wait, when? Uh, when they uh, broke into uh, their house. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, that was it. That's like the... And, you know, when they've summoned a monster and destroying Townsville. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Every villain appears... Like, does that. Every villain summons a monster and the power of girls save them. So mm-hmm. it, that doesn't really weigh in. But yeah, like, in this, in this episode, it, him was running a diner. And apparently that is a normal part of their life like they had an established place and prices and whatever yeah this is a very elaborate uh i was very confused about that with the diner i was like so does him regularly just like have like a day job at the diner or like what is they must apparently (laughs) apparently they have a day job and I even if that's not canon, even though it's just for a joke or whatever, I kind of accept it because yeah. one of the things that I love about the show is that as much as these characters are villains and terrorize Townsville, they're also citizens of Townsville, and Townsville seems to be okay with them all the way up until they start yeah. terrorizing them. Yeah, which I actually find kind of charming. Yeah, same, same. Like you with, know? with Mojo Jojo, it's like. I haven't done, like, in the Telephonies episode, like, he was like, yeah, I haven't done anything, I was just sleeping, and he was like, no, I'm not doing anything evil yet, like, not right now, not this week, and they were like, oh, shit, sorry, and left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they apologized. Yeah. 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 I mean, Mojo Trisha was reading a newspaper, that means the people who deliver newspapers send him a newspaper. Yeah. Like, they're part of the community, it's like, it's a very, um fun little disconnect that I love about the show is that when villains aren't being villains, people kind of treat them with a lot of respect. Mm. And like that's, that's fun. Yeah. Huh. Very true. And yeah, I thought it was really funny that there was like a bet. that like, It turned out to be like a bet to pay at, in Him Diddle Riddle. It turned out to be a bet that if, if they didn't solve all eight riddles in time, he had to pay for his food that him had cooked. Like, that's, like, yeah. that's really silly. Like, that's really cute. Um, but, yeah, no, it definitely, I, I hadn't thought of that. Like, it really is mostly just the narrator that's, like, him is the worst of the worst. Yeah. yeah. But the narrator also carries a lot of his own, pers- like, uh, point of view on things. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely very much so. Like, and sometimes characters on the show disagree with the narrator's perspective. Yeah. Like, that's a common 
element to the show. Mm. Um, which is fascinating. Yeah. I like that the uh, the narrator is a character in the show. I wish that the, narr- the, the narrator wouldn't be, you know, transphobic, but, you know, hey, that's fine. Scale of 1 to 10. Giving it an 8. I, I really li- I liked it. I did enjoy this one. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't give numbers for any of the other ones, um, so I'm gonna stick with that. But yeah, no, I I enjoyed this one. This one was fun. I liked the little I liked the little puzzles, and I liked that the big reveal at the end was just like, no, they just made a bed. <laughs> okay. So let's go to the rowdy rough boys, and then we'll tackle the big one. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't actually rewatch this one. I have seen it before, and I remember the episode, but like I didn't actually do a rewatch of this one because I saw that it wasn't the one that you listed in the in the email, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, the way that uh, the the episodes that I was looking for were not always the ones that I was able to find either. Uh, yeah. and the ones on Netflix that was listed as twelve, and I tried to find the one that I initially said we should watch, and for whatever reason, I just could not find it. So mm-hmm. I continued to watch Rowdy Rough Boys. Uh, were you? Did you watch? Uh, I didn't rewatch it, but I've seen it a few times. Okay. So I remember it very yeah, well. Yeah, I'm still down to talk to talk okay. about it. So the Rowdy Rough Boys Sorry episode for being was so unprofessional. <laughs> No, that's it. Hey, I'm the one. I'm the one that didn't watch the episodes that I told you to watch. So, um, so with the Rowdy Rough Boys, this backstory is horrifying. <laughs> like, I realized that it's like okay, even if they took that trope of because you know they did the like the Powerpuff Girls are made of sugar, spice, everything nice, and Element X. But the Rowdy Rough Boys, even if they kept like snips and snails and puppy dog tails, they made them in the bath like the toilet that's yeah. horrifying that's some that's some commentary on the prison system i'll, uh, I'll, I'll give it that uh. sorry <laughs> that was, I'm just, I'm prison just system should be noises. reformed yeah. um well in the way that they showed the the toilet itself yeah, was just yeah it was disgusting oh and man it, I, I don't know the big issue of uh the Rowdy rough boys episode for me is like 98% just gender binary stereotypes. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just yes. gender binary stereotypes. The boys are gross and tough and mean and violent, and the only yeah. way that they were beaten is because the girls had to be sweet and demure and. And specifically kiss them. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, was... you, can't be, you can't beat boys. If you're a girl, you can't beat boys by being. Like how boys are supposed to be, you have to be how girls are supposed to be. Yeah, you have to kiss them, and yeah. Also, that just kind of really messes with, like messes with me because like for me, my what like was my first time that I kissed a person was when I was five, and my parents told me that I had to, so we would stop crying. Like that was my first experience experience with having to, like 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 my first kiss, and like that is very much like what this was it's just like you have to you have to flirt with them and kiss them because you have to save the day and so you have to go and be like nice to these people that are terrible to you because you can't do things the way that you were because you have to act how like you have to change how you act to be to like defeat these boys you have to act like how a girl is supposed to act to defeat these boys and it was just like it's very it's very much like just super binary super misogynistic and super just like yeah, it's the whole episode, the whole gag is like, look, gender binary, and yeah. Yeah. And in particular, it really bothered me because it 
feels like the Power of a Girl's message was, you know, in a contextualized 90s kind of safe way about fighting against the gender binary because the Powerpuff Girls were these sweet, you know, playful yeah. girls who were just like every other girl, except that they also had superpowers and saved the day. Yeah. And, like, there's even an episode later on where they um, try to enter the League of whatever they were, the the League of Superheroes. Like the, the, yeah. The, the Legion of, like, Supermen or something. Mm. They had man in the title because that's one of the reasons why... The Captain America guy was all like, "Ha ha! You can't join because we only accept men." And then the Powerpuff Girls like beat them all up and save the day. Or I I can't remember what happened exactly. Yeah. But like I I don't know for a show that had this idea that like you know girls can be girls and also fight and be superheroes and these two elements are not mutually exclusive this episode in particular was particularly condemning in how strict it was uh adhering to the binary Mm -hmm. so enjoyment level i will give it a four simply because when i was little i had very simple tastes and I really liked the idea of the Powerpuff Girls fighting somebody as strong as them. And they didn't deliver it the, exactly the way that I wished that they did, but I still found it kind of cool. So, there we go. My enjoyment level can be properly expressed with a series of groans. <laughs> Which I won't do now, because I want that to, you know, right. leave that to your imagination. But we can imagine them. Yeah, yeah. you know, do your best groan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as me, I it was okay. Uh, maybe like a three or four. I did really like that Blossom essentially supermaned that plane falling. Where like it's it's just one of those things where it's like a very iconic thing specifically for Superman to stop a falling plane by just sheer strength. Yeah. And it was kind of nice to see Blossom. I don't know if it was necessarily a specific throwback, but it is one of those things where it's like I always think of Superman catching a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. So, now let's tackle the big one. Oh, no. The obvious one. <sighs> oh, no. It's time. It's time for Johnny the Unicorn. I feel like I need to text my parents that I love them before... <laughs> oh, no. Before we go into yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, so, just, just in case. <laughs> so, I will just start by saying everything that you've read on Tumblr is absolutely true about this episode. <laughs> But nothing can but nothing can prepare you for actually watching it. Ah, uh, so I I immediately started off not hating the new intro. Like, yeah, I actually kind of like the new intro. I yeah. don't like it as much because I just think that like sonically the other one did really cool stuff. Like I liked the aesthetic of it, and I liked that they were going for kind of like this girl punk thing. Like I was here for that. Yeah, but just like. The instrumental of the old one is just so on point. Like yeah. I've sampled, like I've I've uh, I've gone back and like I've made music before that. Like after I did it, I was like, oh no, this is totally just like apart from the Powerpuff Girls theme with different sounds. Like because it it was just like a really like sonically like it was really on point. Yeah, but like, like I wasn't against it. Like aesthetically, I was here for it. Sonically, the old theme was just so good. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to be the old theme. Um, especially because, like, it, you know, kind of falling off from what you said, like, the way that it kind of blends leap motifs and, yeah. you know, it helps kind of set up precedent 
for the show without actually even having to say anything beyond yeah. how they were created. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really clever. And, you know, I'm always a fan for, like, pretty animation stuff. So, like, the intro, I like the new intro because the style seemed very charming. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm in. I'm, like, I'm ready for it. The voices are a bit different, but that's going to happen. You know, yeah. Time yeah, is past. Um, I kind of liked that Bubbles didn't sound, sounded more like a normal person and not like she was, like, really, like, maybe about to cry a lot of the time like she sounded yeah. very like she sounded a lot less fragile in this one which I yeah. thought was nice i didn't like it at first but i was like no this is better it, it definitely grew on me yeah yeah i definitely still miss tara strong but yeah <laughs> yeah so this episode i almost feel like we don't necessarily need to describe it because everybody's probably heard about it if they're listening but i mean what sh- like, sure <laughs> do you want me to I'll, go for it yeah i'll do it Break okay, Horn down. Sweet Horn is an episode where uh, the Powerpuff Girls go to the zoo and uh, Bubbles wants to know where the unicorns are. And everybody's like, ha ha ha, unicorns don't exist. And Bubbles like, they do exist, I'm going to prove it. And she has like a kazoo that she like wrote down as like a unicorn whistle or something. It's a, specifically, um, it is a unicorn horn. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, ha! That was a joke I actually laughed at. Yeah. Um, so she'd blow it, and everybody's like, yeah, okay, that didn't work. And then this talking horse comes out, uh, of the bushes, and I'm already feeling bad, like, saying it, but here we go. (laughs) I'll get through this. Um, his name is Donnie, and he believes that he's a unicorn, and when you first see him, he has, uh, what I guess can be described as a prosthetic unicorn horn strapped to him that is made out of, uh, cardboard or something like that yeah it looks like cardboard cardboard. and he's like no i totally am a unicorn and blossom and buttercup were like no you're not that horn is fake and you're not a unicorn and And i'm already yeah yeah i was i was gonna add in and buttercup physically slaps it off of his head yeah yeah and then buttercup and blossom proceed to have a ridiculous back and forth about like well what's a philly what's a cult i don't know all of this is confusing (laughs) Uh it's hilarious it's funny and we're not talking this isn't really an analog for trans people (laughs) no No, keep watching (laughs) um but bubbles is determined that donnie is a unicorn uh not because he says he is or that's how he identifies but because she wants unicorns to be real so that kids won't laugh at her so she takes him to the professor you got this let me know, if you, want, let me know if you want to tag out yeah, i got point, i got though. this okay. I'm, all right I'm, i'll get through it uh she takes him to the professor uh, and asks that the professor can use the power of science to turn Donnie into a unicorn. And Professor Utonium says, well, we have this highly like dangerous experimental procedure that might be able to turn you into a unicorn, but it is dangerous, and you should be aware of the risks. And Donnie's like, Psh, whatever, risks, who cares? And he's like, I'm going to print out all of these risks yeah, and things. And so it turned into this, like hyperbolically like large pile of papers uh and like the doctor kept on the professor rather uh kept on using um a lot of phrases that um you know 
maybe trans people who go through like medical things uh, might hear from doctors or concerned friends who don't super know what they're talking about. Things like, I guess it is your body and it is your decision, but you should be aware of the risks and you should make, take precautions and you have to understand that this won't might not work exactly the way you think and you won't look exactly the way that you're going to look, etc., etc., etc. I'm going to s- stop for my own safety on that part. Yeah. Um, he goes through with the experiment. Uh, it goes horribly wrong. Uh, and he proclaims that he is a monster. He goes on a rampage. Uh, Bubbles tries to convince him that he is uh, a unicorn, and he says that unicorns don't exist, and he was a fool forever trying to change his body. Uh, and then it then unicorns come out and fix him, and it turns and it out turns that- out that he's a unicorn all along. Because his mom and his dad are unicorns, and he also has a unicorn horn, but he had floofy hair, so it didn't show up. That part, I like, everything was a very damning analog for trans people, all the way up until that, when it just was weird. And then it's like, yeah. are his parents trans people? Did he not know d- that they d- had horns? Does the like, analogy, is, is the analogy that? implying that, like, you can only be trans if your parents are trans yeah i was really confused by it like i was kind of like i thought maybe they're trying to be like see he wasn't trans at all because it turned out he was a unicorn the whole time and then Uh, i was like oh okay yeah like he wasn't confused about his body you're born in the wrong body because that's the only narrative for trans people he was actually just he was a unicorn all the time and he didn't even know so trans people, you're probably not really trans. You just don't really know about it. I don't know. It was so... Yeah. What? Because... Like, what? what? I guess ultimately what? the ending analog is just an affirmation that what your body has or what your body is made up of defines who you are. Because yeah. Donnie was a unicorn yeah. because he had the horn. Yeah. He just it's didn't like brush his hair. It's like you were a unicorn yeah. the whole time because you had the horn, not because you believed to yourself that you were a unicorn. Yeah. Well, there there was also a huge missed opportunity during that whole uh, signing the massive legal paper, mm-hmm. where he very easily could have just said, even just a simple like, "I don't give a fuck," this is I know me, and gone with it, uh, and that would have felt very like, I, I don't know, like I feel like that would have felt at least a little bit affirming, but instead it's like, well, if my BFF says it's good, then yeah, it's just like. Ah! Like, ah! <sighs> Just everything about this, this episode. This was a bad one. This was horrible. This is a bad one. Like, so I did a little bit of research, mm-hmm. and I found out that the person that initially pitched the episode uh, on Twitter, because Twitter, of course, everybody went after this person. Uh, and I'm not saying that they're right or wrong, but they went after the person that uh, is credited with the episode, and the person who was credited said essentially that what I wrote is not what happened on screen. This is not what I initially said. This is not what I initially pitched. And it was marketed as an issues episode. Uh, And by that I mean an episode that in their marketing they said this is going to tackle real-life issues. And so as much as they have a certain amount of ability to kind of walk away from it and say, well, no, it's not because we didn't make this character trans, they have no 
Like, I, they didn't have an excuse, but they really don't have any fucking excuse. And it, it just, I don't know, it's, it's a whole thing where it sounds like a whole bunch of suits did not consult a trans person and said, we need to, trans is marketable. We need to do a trans thing. Just just make it kind of transy. Just they love unicorns. Make it unicorns. Yeah, the <sighs> fact that it was a unicorn also really made me upset because like as a non-binary person, we get like the snowflake thing all the time and I think I have all, like I've actually heard also like a unicorn as well. Like you're just kind of like this silly silly little thing that's not real and you just want to feel special when <sighs> like yeah, and it's like no, I'm trans. I'm actually not. I'm not a woman. Sorry. <laughs> it's like rage that's like yeah. profoundly building up inside of me right now. Well, if you'd like to let it out on the podcast, we've got a place for you. <laughs> I mean, you know. You don't have to. It's fine. I'm saying. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. I'll be the bigger person. You know, in general, um,. As the producer of this podcast, I'm telling you, you don't have to be the bigger person. Don't be the bigger person. <laughs> I mean, okay, so I have one small, one small caveat uh, okay. to all of this, because you brought up that people were um, going after uh, the person who wrote uh, the screener, uh, the, uh, pitched the idea. And I always approached calling out, like, the call-out culture delicately, because... Um, while people's actions are bad and while people should be held accountable for what they do um, in certain cases uh, I feel like sometimes the output can kind of mess up the, the, the point of it because I feel like the when call culture is at its best uh, it is a tool for publicly educating somebody Mm-hmm. And I think that is valuable, and I think that's a necessity, especially in a world where there's a lot of institutionalized um, means to uh, insulate yourself um, when you make bad decisions and fill yourself in a way that you don't have to actually hold yourself accountable to it. So in call culture at its best helps break that, but call culture at its worst uh, is just a tool for... Um, needless aggression so i don't know to the extent that the person was called out and i'm hoping that it was reasonably handled um but you know i've heard of certain public figures i don't want to super get into it but i've heard of certain public figures who've done things that aren't good um but the response is like sending them death threats and stuff like that and that's uncalled for Mm -hmm. even if what they did was bad like you don't respond to that in that kind of capacity that being said this episode sorry for the long little preface this episode was awful um (laughs) i Mm -hmm. found it insulting and it feels uh obvious because of the company that i'm currently in and it feels like it's not worth stating but uh in case anybody's who's listening to this podcast uh is not privy to a lot of uh, discourse on trans people and trans identities. Uh, if you both don't mind, I'm more than happy to at least start uh, kind of the baseline of like, okay, so trans people, uh, some trans people uh, 
go through medical procedures uh, to help them become more comfortable in their body. And that is a perfectly valid thing, just as it is a perfectly valid thing for trans people to not go through medical procedures um, to become more comfortable in their body. That both of these options are totally fine, and by equating a person's trans identity to uh, their body in any capacity uh, is actually transphobic. Um, I'm like, this is all standard, we all know this. Uh, but again, um, gender is in the mind, it's in how you see yourself, it's in how you identify. And actually, uh, this morning, um, I read uh, an article on Tumblr, of, of all things, um, that explained that why it's so hard to talk about uh, trans identities is it's because it's the qualia argument all over again. And the qualia is um, like an, a subjective uh, measurement of consciousness. Um, Thomas Nagel uh, did this uh, analysis. Uh, he wrote a paper called... Um, how does it feel to be a bat or something like that? And the premise of it was basically, if you do not have the shared experience, if you don't have the personal experience and context of um, the uh, other person or the other, you know, in his case of the bat, you're never going to be able to understand how it feels to be a bat because the only way to understand how it feels to be something that you're not is to not be you. So just so in that context, um, trans identities, it's hard to explain like why I feel like a woman personally beyond the fact that I do, and it feels obvious. Yeah, I really, I really do feel that. Like it is kind of hard uh, explaining to people like why I am non-binary. Um, yeah. Also, another important thing biological sex isn't binary like there is no such thing as a binary biological sex that is not how sex characteristics work most every scientist and endocrinologist anthropologist will agree that is not how uh sex works on a biological level um and yeah that causes a lot of problems for not just trans folks but for intersex folks as well uh and we should really stop looking at gender as a binary and sex as a binary because it's not and if you make a biological uh, uh, if you make a biological argument about why my sex or gender or whatever does not exist not only is that not really relevant to the conversation you're wrong <laughs> you are blatantly false yeah your grammar argument is wrong your biological argument is wrong listen to people who actually like do these things because they'll tell you and yeah sorry whatever bye and just to kind of talk about all this in context with the episode as well i think that there there was a point that uh, you had brought up the um I, i'm trying to remember exactly what it was but it, it just sparked something in my mind the idea that maybe if they had just made the message unicorns don't need horns that's still so very like, unicorns don't need a horn to be a unicorn. It's still very, like, ah, kind of yeah. going fallacy. But nonetheless, like, something closer to a decent message. Yeah. But it's not. And uh, we were talking very briefly, 
for a moment about uh, biological sex and the idea that there is no real binary. And especially a lot of people bring up chromosomes. And I know there was something that uh, V, you wanted to bring up about chromosomes too. But one of the one of the things that I find fascinating are the people that are very... Um, we need to get chromosomes put on people's identification. People need to get their chromosomes checked. It's like, dude, you've never gotten your chromosomes checked. I am telling you, and I'm not saying this as a good, bad, or whatever thing, but I feel like more people than not would be shocked by their chromosome count to find what they find. And maybe there's a tiny part of me that says maybe that would be a good thing, but the other part of me says, no, we can't be doing that because if we're forcing people to get chromosome counts and we're forcing people to get anything, that's just some next level. Yeah, very totalitarian. So that's some very Rocky Horror shit. It's it's also, I mean, simply on the matter of economics alone, I know that the state of Texas was really trying to uh, get everybody in the state of Texas to uh, get chromosome tested so that way they can create xx and xy bathrooms Mm. and my fun point on that was like hey so a couple of things one those are not the only two chromosomes uh that can happen if you're unaware uh the sex chromosomes uh have many many different variations uh there are chromosomic mosaics there are xo um phenotypes or i think it's phenotypes i can't remember um it's uh, it's a mess. It's a mess, and it doesn't actually connect to um, a person's body or gender. It's an outdated, old system of classification <laughs> that is uh, not very well backed by the scientific community. Uh, is wildly expensive to actually get tested. Mm-hmm. Like even you know for the. Uh, capitalists over in Texas, uh, they probably should have paused when that proposal was like a multi-million dollar plan to get every single person in the state of Texas a, a chromosome test because yeah. they're not. That's not a. That's not a necessary test for like pretty anything. much anything. Anything like, except for like maybe the Olympics, but even then, that's not. I mean, like maybe that's wrong. I don't even know. I think that's I wrong. think chromosome tests are really only useful when trying to figure out, um, like, uh, like DNA disorders or like mm. stuff like that, like um, condition, like medical conditions that kind of exist. Uh, I'm saying this wrong, but. Um, beyond that one specific thing and that's not even a test for the x x x y whatever the sex chromosomes that's for your full chromosome map to make sure that like there aren't you know uh because there's certain disorders that can pop up later in your life blah 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 blah, blah. yeah you know that that level of like medical necessity um which you know to be fair that probably shouldn't cost a lot of money if it's going to save somebody's life but you know that's a different conversation. Right. Uh, <laughs> bottom line is that chromosomes don't mean shit when it comes to a person's gender, and that mm. argument is wrong mm. and old. So here, here. Yeah. And lame. <laughs> so back to this unicorn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fucking um, unicorn. 
So um, I'm curious because I know I tried to find Odd Bubbles Out, which is the second episode that involves Donnie. I did see that. You did I see did that. find it. I, I had to switch to Anime Tune instead. Okay. And yeah, it yeah. was episode 22 still, but yeah, I could not find it on Kiss Cartoon. Oh, the one that I found yeah. was episode 23. It was the same episode. On I Kiss Cartoon? No, <laughs> I found it in somewhere else that I can't remember. Yeah. Um, basically coordinating people to watch the same episodes for a podcast is a very, a much more difficult thing than you'd expect when the media is not readily available on streaming services. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, but so, so I was not able to watch this, and I'm curious about what the episode was like, whether they bring up Donnie's unicorn gender, or uh, whether they, they just completely really sweep it under the rug. They they talk a lot. The only times that you, the fact that he's a unicorn really comes up is when, uh, they're like, "This is a waste of unicorn magic." When they do it for like really lame things like getting bus tickets instead of like you know teleporting themselves home and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. They they don't even reference the fact that like he's a unicorn really at all. Um, other than I guess like, he likes very uh, he I don't know, they like very stereotypically. Feminine things is basically it. And oh, and Mojo Jojo was stealing his unicorn magic for like a death for a death ray, ray. and then Buttercup is like, now that's a good use of unicorn magic. Like, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but like, I mean, it's much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Buttercup I mean, it was had a much running more gag. Worthwhile. Use oh of man, Buttercup had a running gag about like because all the unicorns kept on like. Yeah, it was like, and, like here's a list. And yeah. like lists and passes and stuff. And Buttercup's like, you guys have magic. Like, you should be doing something bigger than like these tiny things. And then yeah. Mojo's like, I'm going to steal the magic to make a death ray. And she's like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like, it's a death big. ray and I don't think that's good. But I mean, like, that's Yeah, this but is that's the a level. great example yeah. of something. Yeah. <laughs> Man. I actually... I didn't mind this episode, frankly. Like, yeah, I didn't really mind it either. It felt kind of like a normal yeah. episode of the Powerpuff Girls. In yeah, which I case, agree. It was fine. It was probably smart of them to just sort of distance themselves from it completely because they probably saw what the outcry was because it was pretty... <laughs> so many. I don't know if you saw... There were so many articles written about this episode. There was so much covering the uh, you know, the, the Horn Sweet Horn episode that they probably said... All right, well, we've got this character. Let's keep them in canon. Let's keep using them, but let's just kind of ditch any. Yeah, I had not heard any of the news about it. I hadn't really heard much about the new Powerpuff Girls. Like I knew it was happening. I everybody changed their profile picture. Everyone was super hyped. Um, I did not hear about that episode actually, um, but I think that might just be partially like the circles that I keep. Hmm. And I I thoroughly apologize because I warned V. Cause, and I knew about it. Like, I'd been, you know, this was, like, the reason I wanted to I tackle this so early. about it. Really? No, all like, the way I, up until you oh, told me. Oh, my God. But, you know, then again, yeah. I just wasn't really paying attention to the reboot because um, the reboot did something early on that was kind of not okay uh, as far as, like, trans issues go. And I can't super remember what it was. Well, this was the was. fifth episode. Oh, was it third? Yeah. Then it was, it maybe was... it was that. So you've just heard bits and pieces like, that vaguely, it did something I, bad and didn't yeah, I heard like, oh, the reboot's was. transphobic. And I'm like, oh, that's Neat. gross. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Nope, this was uh, this was what did it. So that's why. Okay, well, I can see why. <laughs> yeah. Because if we yeah. went to ask if I enjoyed that episode, what's the lowest uh, number I can get? What's the? Is it well, a one or one, a zero? But you can definitely be creative. Okay, can I do like? Does it have to actually be over zero, or does it have to like? Is... I'm not giving you any rules. Okay, so because um, express yourself how you need to. If there's like a negative ten out of ten. Like a negative ten out of positive ten. Oh God! Yeah. Uh, that's uh-huh. where I am on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then on the whether or not it's transphobic, I'm willing to give this one a perfect ten out of ten. Yeah. Oh wow! So it got tens across the board, sort of. Um, Let's <laughs> <laughs> um, on that. Okay. For for horn seat horn mm-hmm. about whether or not it is transphobic, just yes. <laughs> Yes, it it yes, yes it is. It is very much. It's mm-hmm. and it's like it's trying to be like this is what it's like for trans people and like I don't know, maybe they thought that they were doing something good. Like maybe somehow they thought that they were taking like a stand aside that would be like good for trans people, but no, like it was really really bad. I mean, I mean it was so not yeah. good. <laughs> Sometimes when uh, people who don't know what they're talking about when it comes to trans issues try to help. They end up being somehow worse mm. than when they don't. Yeah, yeah. And Horn Sweet Horn is an example, I think, of somebody who tried to help and it ended up being awful, horrendously, awfully bad. Mm. Um, so, yeah. uh, whether I enjoyed this episode, <laughs> I did not. Uh, there was actually, it made me miss him. <laughs> I missed the days of him. Not only that, I finished watching this episode. So I was watching this episode with my wife and we were just like laying in bed and I put it on cause I had to watch it. And she just turned to me at the end and she was like, are you okay? Oh. <laughs> like, is there anything I could do? I was just like, no, I knew what this was walking in. I've read the descriptions. But seriously, seeing it is so much different than reading it, a point-by-point breakdown of it. It was it was really hard for me, um, especially because like I am on T. I'm very new to being on T. And I do have a lot of fears about what it's going to do for me, like behaviorally and like different things. And so it was really hard to see, see that because like that is a fear that I have. And it's kind of hard to see like that's like, oh, people see me as being like that, whether or not I even am. Hmm. And so like that was definitely it was really hard for me to watch from that perspective. Um, Just because it really did get at something that I was worried about. And I had have had a lot of people have uh issues with me being on T and it definitely is something that like it was like oh this is how this is how I'm seen this is what people think that it's like um and for anyone who doesn't know T is for testosterone uh, it means that I um am taking hormones to make my outward appearance feel more right to who I am as a human being which is a thing people do in lots of other ways yeah, and I mean, yeah, and I'm kind of in a similar position with uh, taking estrogen. I've been taking it for like over a year and a half now, um, but I've been given pressure in one way or the other from external sources about, um, you know, what 
these medicines could do to my body and being responsible about uh, these choices and you know it, it like it's something that I feel like now in like a year and a half in I've been getting more comfortable around but there's elements of it that is still kind of it, watching this really amped up a lot of anxiety around it um, you know I've recently uh, when I go out in public um, I've already been kind of stressing out because I've been taking uh, an excessively like long amount of time to get ready visually uh, to go outside and I do it for my own benefit I do it so that I feel more comfortable going outside um, but it's this kind of hyper focus on my body and how people will perceive my body and seeing things like that especially something like that in 2016 I'd like to point out um, when this was supposed to be you know better because everybody figured out who liver and cox is um <laughs> uh now I, I don't know it was just it was kind of rough to deal with um uh yeah i was gonna say something else but i can't remember well i mean on on my end i just keep parting my hair differently to see if maybe the horn is there but it's uh i just oh. i never find it yeah, I'm really disappointed about not being a unicorn. Yeah, I mean, come That's on. That's what we were promised as trans folks, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, pretty much everything that we've seen mm. on this podcast has told us what we're supposed to be in one way, shape, or form. Either mm -hmm. we're aliens, we're unicorns, um, or... We're like, just, like, idealized one-dimensional characters. Yeah, like, we have to... sunny. Yeah, or like... we want to assassinate Dan Marino. Yeah. Just... I mean, that's true. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I mean, fuck Dan Marino. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know the guy, but sure, I'm down. Yeah. Um, but, but you have this, like, absolute... It's like, a, it's like an inherent quality. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah like, trans, I, I realized I realize that I was trans when I first had inclinations to murder Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. oh, we have fun. So I, I want my final note on this to be that, honestly, I think there is a really good educational piece in this episode because it's absolutely what you should never do. Yeah. And I, I do feel like there is an educational need to see things that are done poorly in addition to things that are done correctly. And if you're looking for something, and it's nice because it's quick, it's nice because it hits just about every... Yeah. Tick marks like you—you you tick off every check on there for what you should not do. Yeah, and the creators should be ashamed. But there is a profound educational tool in this episode for anyone who's looking for something that they should not do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I would never say don't watch it, but I would say read up on it before you do, <laughs> and oh, know what geez. you're walking into. Yeah. And if you have, if you have, if you yourself are a trans person, or if you have a friend or a family member or somebody that you're close to who's a trans person, um, don't push them at all. They know what they're doing. Okay? Trust them. Yeah. They ask for advice. If they ask for help, you know, try to help them, try to give them advice, but respect people and their bodies and their choices mm -hmm, mm -hmm. seriously mm -hmm. 
And yeah, uh, when they, when, um, if you know someone who is a trans person and they tell you that they're going to do something like uh, medically transition, uh, it may seem in some way like it's like it's sudden or something, but that's just because you are just finding out about it. You are not the person that has been thinking about this for however long. Like, this is something that has been going on for that person that they've really been very sure about or really have come to the conclusion that it's right with they they I'm sure they did not spend a very short amount of time considering to considering doing this. Yeah. Awesome. And it doesn't make you a fucking monster. No. No it doesn't. The zero zero cases of someone turning into a literal monster on tea or on estrogen or any other method of transitioning. <laughs> Other than Caitlyn Jenner, but I mean that's political, not actually. Yeah, I mean yeah. I I believe <laughs> that she was a monster beforehand. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that that's new. I feel like I feel like <laughs> monster because of the yeah, 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 that wasn't because of the estrogen. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it also won't make you less of a shitty human being. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. It could make you happier, or it could not. Things yeah. can happen, but you know what? That's you. And only you get to decide who you are. Yeah. You can do it. Awesome. Love yourself. I think that's a great place to end. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you want to find more about me, my name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. You can find me at www.ashleylaurenrogers.com or on Twitter at Lucretia Deerfor, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R-4. And you can find me, Vivian Aldrin, on uh, Twitter at Valadren. That's V-A-L-A-D-R-E-N. You can also find me on uh, Bandcamp. That is uh, Vivialadren, V-I-V-I-A-L-A-D-R-E-N, uh, .bandcamp.com. Um, you can uh, go and subscribe to my Let's Play channel that I host with my friend Riley uh, at, over on YouTube at Catcoon Games. Uh, that's C-A-T-C-O-O-N. Um, and you can read the webcomic that uh, Riley and I work on together, uh, Lifecycle, over at Tapastic. That's uh, tapastic.com slash series slash Lifecycle. And I am Phoenix Sweeney, and I exist on basically all of the social media as Tiny Lion Roars. That is Roars, not Roars, because seen... I'm fast that. I'm fast that. Um... But that includes everything from Instagram to Twitter to Tumblr, uh, Vimeo, SoundCloud, basically anywhere in which you have to enter a handle or username. It is probably Tiny Lion Roars. And I also have a website where you can see some of my projects, and that is tinylionroars.github.io. Awesome. All right, I have no idea how I'll stand it. So great, done. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com. Oh. All right, I'm clicking record. (laughs) They might be fighting crime, trying to save the world.
but today we're asking, are the Powerpuff Girls transphobic? <laughs> I did not expect that, sorry. <laughs> That's good, there was a significant pause. Okay. 